0: Welcome back from your break. And please open in your scriptures to the book of Romans, which is found in the New Testament after the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the book of Acts. You will find the book of Romans, Paul's letter to the Roman Christians of his day. And we are going to begin reading in just a moment from chapter 8, verse 9, and then I'll drop down to verse 14 through 19 of chapter 8, verse 9 of chapter 8. And then I'm going to ask you to turn quickly so you can even turn there or have your finger on Galatians chapter 4, which is a few letters then to the right of Romans 8 verses 3 through 7, or you can just follow along as they're projected behind me in a message I've entitled, A Father's Day Sermon. So let me pray, and then we'll read God's word, and I'll make some introductory comments as we begin. Lord, thank you for this day is the day that Americans set aside to honor fathers and grandfathers and even great grandfathers, and we are grateful that as we open our Bibles this morning, we find that fatherhood has not only its source, but its goodness in who you are. And so we pray, Lord, by your word and through the work of your spirit and the vessel that I am, and for the glory of Christ, and that this Father's Day sermon would not only bring you glory as our heavenly Father. But Lord, we would be encouraged as fathers to pursue you and pursue our calling for the eternal happiness of our children and grandchildren. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 9. You... However, are not in the flesh but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Verse 14. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God, for you did not receive Be glorified with him. Galatians chapter 4. This will be projected behind me, beginning in verse 3. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God than an heir through God. This is the word of God. Thanks be to him. So, happy Father's Day to the fathers that are here and the fathers that are joining us on the stream and the fathers who are downstairs. Uh, It's a privilege to be with you on this Father's Day, having been away for a couple of weeks. I, I miss church. I miss doing church with you whether I'm speaking or singing or just receiving Christ with you. Um, I do want to acknowledge that Dave and Dan, when I am away, do more than just lead the church. They care for you all effectively. And it allows me not only to pull away, but even to take Linda away next Sunday on our 31st wedding anniversary uh, as we celebrate God's faithfulness uh, to us. So thank you, Dave, and thank you, Dan, wherever you went. Um, I know you're still in the building. Did you know, I bet the moms did, did you know that a baby's cry when born matches its mother's language? A newborn child, just two or three days old, according to researchers in Europe, studied 60 healthy newborn children from both French and German families. And what they discovered was fascinating. Each newborn baby had its own cry melody. That's right, a cry melody. Do you have a cry melody? At 59, I think I still have a cry melody. Which is a specific pattern of sounds that is unique to the infant's cry, but more than that, they found that the baby's cry matches the sounds and intonations of their mother's voice. This Sunday is Father's Day. And we just read two passages of scripture That say to you and I as followers of Jesus, as Christians, that we, through faith in Christ and the work of the Spirit, which we receive at conversion that changes our heart, that we, too, have a cry melody. Listen for it. Abba. Father. That's what Paul says in Romans 8, that's what Paul declared in Galatians 4, that in the new covenant, one of the marks of a genuine conversion is you now have been given a language internally that cries out to God as Father. So, this morning, in that it's my first week back and It's Father's Day. I wanted to share a brief theological reflection on the fatherhood of God, rather than an expositional message, although we'll draw from Scripture, and then two two points of application. That now I will root the cry of the human heart, Abba Father, in what Scripture says is true of you or me as Christians, But then, as fathers and grandfathers, whether our children be infants, toddlers, adult children, grandchildren, we live out of this reality in a way that shapes their lives as children and displays His glory and His goodness. So, my main point this morning, which is far too wordy, is simply this by God's grace and for his glory we are encouraged to pursue our high calling as fathers for the eternal happiness of our children and i hope this morning's message will encourage you first if you're a christian and your relationship God has with you as your heavenly father and secondly it will encourage you, even embolden you, to continue to embody something of God's glorious fatherhood to your children. And if you are so blessed to your grandchildren, I hope the same is true for me. Let's talk about Mother, or Father's Day first. Did you know that after listening to a Mother's Day sermon... Sonora Dodd of Spokane, Washington, wanted a special day to honor her dad. He was a widowed Civil War veteran who was left to raise six children on a farm. So in 1910, Spokane's mayor declared June 17th, the third Sunday in 1910, Father's Day for the town of Spokane. The first president to acknowledge Father's Day and issued a Father's Day proclamation, not sure what that is, but I'm assuming it meant something on the calendar, was in 1966 by President Lyndon Johnson. Richard Nixon, a few years later, in 1972, signed into law a declaration. Perhaps it was an executive order. I imagine Congress got in on the act and made Father's Day, the third Sunday of the calendar year, a permanent holiday. Today, Father's Day is celebrated not only in this country, but in Canada, Greece, France, China, India. Not many of us receive flowers on Father's Day, but if you're planning to give a flower to your father, it's supposed to be the rose. Interesting. Downstairs, gentlemen, there will be no roses served, but what is being served is a rosy pink, and it will taste good. I trust your... But here's the biggest astonishment is it's been recently observed that in churches like Crossway, Father's Day has been de-emphasized, not acknowledged, sermons not given, while Mother's Day, all the bells and whistles and bunting is pulled out. And frankly, as I used my search engine to find an old fa- Father's Day sermon, I, I had to go back over 10 years. So on Father's Day, we do preach sermons, but we often stay in the series. So it's, perhaps that's why. But one thoughtful old pastor, older than me, said that he hoped the absence of Father's Day sermons was not a reflection of a theological deficiency in churches that do not emphasize the fatherhood of God. Interesting. So this is a Father's Day sermon to emphasize the fatherhood of God because it's a scriptural reality, but also it brings to our hearts great encouragement, not only for fathers, but it brings to our hearts great encouragement to relevance for everyone in the room, whether you are a father or not, whether you had a Christian father or not. I did not. Because the father described in Scripture is unlike any father earthly speaking, we could describe. And the sadnesses can sometimes come into our hearts on Father's Day, can be swallowed up and even overcome by a joy of knowing through Christ God is our Father. By accepting by faith the gift of adoption when we receive Christ, Scripture declares enthusiastically and, and and with great clarity that through faith in Christ, when I not only turn and repent of my sinfulness before a Holy God, but I place my trust and I surrender my life and I I say with not only my words, but by a work of grace, I commit with my heart to believe in Jesus, to receive that Jesus is not only the Son of God, but He is the only One and only Son of God who died in my place on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. And through faith in Him, I can only be forgiven, but I can be adopted, brought into, and receive all the blessings of being one of His children. But it requires me to yield to the Holy Spirit, doesn't it? It's interesting, while we were singing, there was a prophetic sense, meaning there was a a sense by the Holy Spirit, I believe, which there really wasn't space to share it. But it was of that picture we we have in John 4, which I've been reading this summer as part of my devotions. John highlights these personal conversations between Jesus and people. And it's the woman at the well, it's the middle of the day, and She's there to draw water and he asks her for a drink. And she says to him, Sir, if you knew the person that you're asking, you wouldn't ask me. And he retorted a few verses later, If you knew who was asking you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And my sense was, is that this morning, God has living water for us to draw from the well of his word, but we have to yield to the spirit and cooperate with the encouragement from scripture to address God as Abba, Father, not in a rote way, but in a more everyday way and experience the richness of that relationship even more. Now, I'm preaching to the choir, not literally, but Many of you understand what I'm about to say, so I trust this will not be so redundant that we miss the point, and that is to strengthen and encourage your heart this Father's Day. Here's my first point. The gospel reveals how, how the glorious God chose to become our father by lovingly adopting us as his children forever. The gospel does reveal how, how the glorious God chose to become our father, lovingly adopting us as his children forever. What does the Bible say about God as our father? In the Old Testament, it says surprisingly little, not that it doesn't say anything, but it says surprisingly little. It does clearly call God Father a few times, Isaiah 63, verse 16, Jeremiah 3, verse 19, Malachi 2, verse 10. But the Old Testament writers did seem to lay a greater emphasis on God's majesty and holiness and transcendence and the reverence and respect we should feel before him, and God was often revealed as more distinct from us, even separate from us, even when he was present among God's people, and perhaps less intimate and close to us. I know we have the Psalms, and so I can't qualify, and I will acknowledge that. But the Old Testament view of God is true, critical, and wonderfully humbling, for us as we bow before our powerful creator and high king. But when we get to the New Testament, although God remains holy and majestic and transcendent, Jesus adds a strikingly clear emphasis on God as father, both his father and our father. John 20, verse 17. It's Jesus who calls God Abba, Father in Mark 14, verse 36. It's Jesus who teaches the disciples to pray. The disciples' prayer, our Father in heaven, Matthew 6. We just read a passage that says it's the Spirit of God whom we receive at our new birth that leads us into a more intimate relationship with God as our Abba Father, Hebrews 12 speaks of our Heavenly Father as a loving God who disciplines us for our good. Luke 11, Luke 15, excuse me, reveals God the Father as someone who receives and forgives and rejoices over a sinner who returns to Him in repentance. And we could go on. In the New Testament, then, it seems that the greatest glory of God, therefore, is not that he is exclusively separate and far removed from us. The greatest glory of God is that the one who is separate and far removed from us, far, who is high and lifted up, who created all things, who needs nothing, that the glorious God chose to become our Father, lovingly adopting us, as his children forever. In the Galatians passage, we just read those four simple words. Galatians 4. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. To redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are now sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So one of the astonishing blessings of not only becoming a Christian, but growing in our relationship with God through faith in Christ by the work of the spirit and the work of his word is that we know and grow in our knowledge of God as Father and His presence as our loving Father is the essence of what it means to be a New Covenant, New Testament believer. Think about it this way, and then I'll I'll, I'll transition to an application. We as a church affirm, every evangelical, orthodox, confessional, church, whatever term you want to use, emphasizes the Trinity as a mark of orthodoxy. God is one, but three in person. God is one and being three in person. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Paul says it this way, there's one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all, Ephesians 4, verse 6. But the first person of the Trinity, right? First in role, first in rank, without losing worth or value or essential glory, the sovereign Lord over all time and eternity, has always been a father. He's always been in relationship to his son. He's been the son's eternal father and the son has been his eternal son. And what does that mean for our lives? Simply, it should change the way we think about God. It should change the way we think about God in that the majestic, transcendent, holy one is through Christ our Father. Amen? So, to take up Dave's primary point of pastoral theology in this church, it means that God is always a relational being always, always in relationship with first His Son and with His Son's followers. Michael Reeves writes in a book that we read years ago as a church delighting in the Trinity, read it in small groups, there was never a time when the eternal Son did not exist. If there was a time when the eternal Son didn't exist, then there was a time when the Father was not yet a father. But before He ever created anything, before He ever ruled the world, before anything else, this God was the God loving his son. It changes the way we think about God when fatherhood becomes the central reality of who God is. So Christian application, meaning if you're a Christian, how do you instinctively view God each and every day? Do you view him as sovereign? Do you view him as a king? Do you view him as a creator? All is true. These verses urge us, encourage us, envision us, empower us to think of him also as his son or daughter. Who enjoy the privilege of adoption and therefore we can call him Abba. And do we understand the great length to which God went to secure our adoption? He spared absolutely no expense. He paid the highest price by giving us His Son so not only we could be made right with Him, but become His children by faith. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. God initiated this process. He sent forth His Son. And through His Son's work, death, and resurrection, our plan of adoption was accomplished. And by the Spirit, we are being led, it says, into a relationship with God as our Father where we can speak to Him and relate to Him and He to us as Abba, Father. So that's my theological point to to introduce this, that the gospel reveals how the glorious God chose to become our father, lovingly adopting us as his children forever. Here's my first point of practical application. A Christian father, a Christian grandfather is strengthened then by his awareness that his own father in heaven loves him and deeply approves of him for Jesus' sake. A Christian father is strengthened by his awareness that his own father in heaven loves him and deeply approves of him, for Jesus' sake. While we were, while I was away, uh, uh, I took two days as I was out west, and I hiked uh, a national park that I'd never hiked before, never been to before in part to scout it out for my family in the hope that this could be something we could do together, but also because I needed the exercise and I enjoy hiking. And the park was Zion National Park, and the trail that I hiked was called the Narrows, which is a seven-mile, it's really not a trail, it's a stream that goes between a very high, I guess you would call it a gorge, and all the first two miles on the way in are on a trail. You quickly get off the trail, and then you get into the stream and you just start walking up the stream to the waterfall that's at the end of the trail. There's some, there's some banks, but really more times than not, you're walking through the water. Sometimes the water's this high, sometimes it's ankle deep, but the rocks are slippery. Um, I learned very quickly that I'm not very skilled at walking on the water. You need sticks, I didn't take sticks. I had way too much in my pack. My pack got soaked is the thing. I, there were some essentials I needed to have in my pack, but there were other things I didn't need. I wasn't gonna get lost. There were a thousand other people hiking with me, so it wasn't like I was gonna need like a tent or um, you know, rattlesnake medicine or all this other stuff I was packing. While hiking, I encountered two families, there were many families, but two families that stood out to me as we made it towards one family, it was principally a father and his son, a very young son, um, hiked a portion of the trail with me and the, the young boy was clearly having difficulties with the current and the rapids and the slippery rocks, I identify with that young boy. He didn't want to use sticks, sticks aren't really cool. I guess, uh, but he was struggling. And there were just moments in this hike where, where the father standing near, but not hovering. He wasn't one of those helicopter parents that's you know not giving the kid any room. He was close enough to be there to help, but he let the young son kind of work his way forward. And at one point, oh, I, I remember this because I fell too, uh, he fell in. It looked not as deep as it was, but it was deep. And he went in, and there's Dad. And I could see Dad was kind of wrestling. He had the pack do I jump in and rescue him, or do I let him come up and float down a little bit? And then we, we, the kid popped up, the father uh, said something to him, and I saw in the young boy's eyes for the first time an appreciation that he was glad and needed his dad to finish this hike. And it changed the way they hiked. I followed them, I didn't say anything, but I thought, hmm, interesting. Isn't it true that in this life of ours that we lead, it's certainly true for me, that God will often use difficulties and circumstances like the rapids of this stream and the, the slippery rocks that embed that stream and also the uncertainty because we can't see where our foot is going. He will use those circumstances to create in us, if you will, an awareness or an appreciation or even a desire to just say, Abba, Father, I need help, amen? Amen. And we've been, it says, led by the Spirit of God as His adopted children to say this. And so it does seem that God uses daily life to strengthen our awareness that His own Father in Heaven loves Him deeply and approves of him for Jesus' sake. But there was another family I met later in that hike who didn't fall in the water that were very competent hikers. Their children, they were from L.A. I got to know the dad a little bit at the end of the hike. They were from uh, Los Angeles, and they had all the equipment, and they were very skilled. And I'm sitting there eating my sandwich by the falls at the end of the hike, and I started asking um, them questions about their time in Zion National Park. And they had been there for several days. They'd done some more difficult hikes. Uh, they, um, they didn't seem to have any tr- uh, trouble with uh, the narrows. And I asked one of the, I asked one of the uh, children, I think it was the son as we're sitting there, um, I asked, what do you enjoy most about hiking with your family? And in sort of a long winded answer, uh, although they had done uh, several hikes for, uh, the boy acknowledged that by hiking together, he was being forced to do things that he didn't want to do. And I said, well, what, what possibly could you not want to do than hike the narrows of Zion National Park? And he said, without missing a bee, video games. Oh. Yeah, I didn't say it critically, but I said, so are you learning to enjoy hiking? He says, sort of. I'm learning to enjoy hiking through the experience of hiking with my parents. The other reality that the Christian father is strengthened by in parenting I don't know if this was your experience, but when my kids were born and through much of the journey, there was always that sense of, I really don't know what to do. There really isn't a book that lays out how to do this. And and there are challenges here unique to each child that it's more than wisdom. There's just this sense of desperation. I need help outside of myself to be faithful. And I'm also aware that there's something within me called my sinful heart and and selfishness that often can be an obstacle to even doing the things I want to do. And so, Lord, I need your grace and your forgiveness to to not only forgive me, but encourage me to, to continue to seek to be faithful, even as I know what I'm doing is less than perfect. And then there's this other reality that kind of haunts me. At least I had as a parent. I've heard about this fear called FOMA, which is the fear of missing out. FOMO, the fear of missing out. Well, I think in parenting there's um, a FOMU, a fear of. I think I think my acronyms off, but a fear of when I compare myself to you, when I see another dad and I see what appears to be you know kids that. Are relating to dad or or outcomes in their life that, and I don't feel that I'm relating that way or I don't feel those, I'm not feeling as successful or as, as fruitful as they are. And there can be this fear and the Christian father then by these passages is strengthened by the awareness that the father in heaven who loves us, loves us deeply and approves of us deeply because of Jesus' sake. And offers to us this precious promise of simply speaking his name, Abba, Father, as we go. So, question as I seek to tie this up Just as the Father delights in the Son through his words and his deeds. And through his presence, reminds him of his eternal love. How might the gospel reality this week strengthen your awareness and mine that our Father in Heaven loves us as parents, as fathers, as grandparents, when we face the uncertainties of parenting our children, or parenting our grandchildren, or we come face to face with the realities of, I'm being selfish, or maybe I'm just, in my case, discouraged at times, or being not fully embracing my call knowing that my Heavenly Father loves me deeply, approves of me um, unapologetically for Jesus' sake, and therefore I'm emboldened, I'm strengthened by this awareness to be a dad for Jesus' sake. Consider this prayer by Scotty Smith, church planter and pastor, Um, an author, as a way to rehearse the gospel over and in your fatherhood and may it strengthen your awareness of your own Heavenly Father's love for you and approval of you. This is what Scotty wrote on Father's Day. Jim, this is quote number three. Dear Heavenly Father, on this Father's Day, it is a great joy to affirm that you are the father we always longed for and needed the best earthly fathers offer a great taste of what it means to be your children your beloved children but they can never be to us what you are our hearts overflow with thanksgiving as we cry with joy today abba father thank you for adopting us through the finished work of jesus and for robing us in Jesus' righteousness and forgiving us of all our sins. Thank you for freeing us from our slavery to sin and our orphan-like ways and for giving us the spirit of sonship, a secure place in your family, and an inheritance that can never spoil or fade. Thank you for being the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Thank you for promising to complete the work you began in us and for always disciplining us in love never shaming, never chiding, or withdrawing from us. And Father, thank you for the grace to forgive our earthly fathers who didn't love you as you intended, including those who broke our trust and hearts. Continue to heal us, Lord. Help us to love them and free us to parent for your glory. Lastly, Father, we thank you for the spiritual dad you've given us, the gospel fathers who help us discover more and more of the multidimensional love of Christ. So very amen we pray in Jesus' merciful and mighty name. There are many, many fathers and grandfathers in this church that are objects of God's grace, have experienced and tasted the mercy of his forgiveness, and yet would be the first to tell you They need more of Him to be faithful. I can't think of a better way to end a Father's Day sermon than to commend you men for your gospel-centeredness, to encourage my fathers and grandfathers to reflect perhaps more intentionally on how the gospel reveals God as your father, but also the Spirit himself is seeking to lead you as we yield to him into a deeper awareness and experience of that, and then being strengthened by that awareness. We can love our children imperfectly, but nonetheless love our children more deeply, love our grandchildren more faithfully out of the approval Jesus has purchased for us. Let's pray. Lord, by God's grace and for your glory, we thank you for the the privilege and the call. First, first as your children, who through Christ have been brought into your family, sealed with the Spirit, and joined with fellow believers, that we might say and live out of those precious words. Abba, Father. Lord, would you increase our faith and deepen our awareness and strengthen our faith and hope in you that we might, Lord, for your glory and for the eternal happiness of our children, love our kids and grandchildren more deeply, certainly in in sharing the truth of the gospel, but then displaying its effects as well through not only the forgiveness of our sins when we fail, but also, Lord, the power you give to grow and bear fruit and be more like Jesus. Lead us this week, Lord, as we consider Father's Day in a more joyful reflection of our Heavenly Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen.